All right, you're passing the turn. All right, cool. Uh, untap, uh, upkeep. Uh, before you go to your draw step, uh, I have an effect. I have an okay. effect. Okay. Um, so before you draw, have you heard mm-hmm. about this thing called politics, Joe? Uh, is is that a card? What color is it? Uh, it's it's colorless. It is everyone can cast it. And you Ooh. can counter a spell for for no mana. You just use your words. How is this? Where's Sheldon? What what have they been doing at Wizards of the Coast again? I don't know, but it's 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 really interesting, and I'd love to talk to you about it some. You know what? That sounds that sounds like a wonderful idea. We should go get a drink. That's always good. I I I don't do a lot of like the test things out. I've I've always kind of flown by the seat of my pants, which is not worked out great for me given my record. I probably that that's one of the areas that I've been wanting to improve personally on. So I, I feel like a lot of this conversation is going to be hopefully as insightful for the audience as it is like a learning experience for me because i do yeah. think that you are a politically very intimidating opponent well i don't know about intimidating is the right Fair, no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> i'm i'm not gonna let you just like downplay no you are one of the most intimidating players to sit across unless i know i'm holding the nuts and you are holding nothing that is the only time i feel comfortable facing you <laughs> every other point <laughs> of the game i am shitting bricks <laughs> Give me a lot of lot of praise there. When you perform as well as you do, like I spent a lot of my time trying to like crack the code, so to speak. I I guess I don't know. I don't I don't know. I have a I have a background with like um with, like some some psychology studies and like mentalism mm-hmm. and communication studies and things like that. So that influences a lot of like when I'm trying to when I'm trying to mess with people's heads in a game. That influences a lot about how I. How I like direct attention and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there's ever been anything particularly special about it. Like it's nothing that like people can't figure out on their own if they're just like socially competent. For sure. And I feel like for a lot of people, that's that's probably the biggest hurdle, right? Is like learning how to navigate social situations. Before we kind of like get into the politics of it all, I do want to like define something like pretty hard and fast. Mm-hmm. Um for as much as we talk about like misguiding, bluffing, misdirection, uh, general buffoonery, and like smoke and mirrors, we do not lie. Um, if we have something in our hand, we will maybe not say directly what it is, but we will say if we have something in our hand if it's relevant, or we'll just decline to answer. Or if we say that we are going to do something or tutor for something, we do that. Um, I think that's a pretty hard and fast rule that me and you stick to and a lot of our playgroups stick to is if we say we're going to do something or we say something, it is true. It might be shrouded a little bit, but we will not lie. I will not say I won't kill your thing and then kill your thing. Yeah. Um, as yeah. like a base as like a baseline example, I want to get that out of the way right now. Um, and I think for me and you, because me and you me and you dabble in poker a little bit, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, definitely. Bluffing is different from lying. Bluffing is misrepresentation. It's not like an outright lie. Um, there is a gray area between lying and bluffing, but I do want to like establish that early on because I know when people talk about politics, people get caught up in like a oh just lies. Like, you know, if you have to lie and misrepresent the true game state, you I've said this before. I do not like that. I think that is a bad idea, and I think that makes you a lesser person and player to some degree. Well, aside from all of the like ethical and moral constraints too, it's just I. It's also harmful in a political game. It's mm-hmm. harmful to yourself in the long, 
the long con for lack of a better term, because if you tell someone you're going to do something and then you don't follow through on that, not only are they not going to trust you for the rest of the game where you might need them to cooperate you to stop cooperate with you to stop someone else from winning, but they, that also hurts like if you ever have to play with them again or if you have to or if they talk to their friends and then you end up playing with their friends mm-hmm. so like even within the scope of just one event like if you break a deal with somebody there's always the chance that they go to their friends like yeah this person was so and so was really scummy they lied to me about this and then if some, if you try and make a deal with somebody else uh like somebody else who that that opponent had gone and talked to um, they're gonna be like, oh no, I recognize you. You're the XYZ guy that my friend friend told me about. Like, I'm not gonna trust you. I'm not gonna take your deal. Then you both end up losing. So, or I'm not gonna. I, I can't. I know I can't trust you when our backs are against the wall. And we need to figure out a way to stop the win that's happening. Yeah. Um, I at some point, everyone in the pod needs to lean on each other. Uh, I think that's where a lot of our politics hinge on is at some point everyone's going to need to cooperate with one another mm-hmm. like that that is that is a fundamental truth um even if it's like someone just going guns blazing ripping adnaz turn one full steam ahead like everyone else that's not adnazing is trying to cooperate to figure out how to stop the player adnazing for 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 an example for um, sure and i think that is where the kind of divisiveness of cdh uh politics really enters into the fray see a lot of people talking about how like oh this this game shouldn't have politics then play a 1v1 format or play poker if you want the group group aspect uh, i i i i've never understood people who play cdh and don't like the politics aspect because at least for me that's half the reason i'm here well i think there are, i think there's two different ways of looking at it right so you can say that um politicking is uh communicating with other players to achieve a goal, mm-hmm. collaborating, blah, 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 blah. And then there's also the people who say, I don't like politicking and they're just going to like, they aren't going to communicate with you. They're going to be silent. They're going to mind their own business. Um, that's a fine and valid strategy too. Like that's more of like the make you have it type mentality, which is also like totally, that's totally a way that you can play. It's not the way mm-hmm. I play, but that's totally a way that you can. And there's like no disrespect meant to that, but the flip side of that is those people tend to also be the ones who say, I hate politicking, I'm not going to politic. Refusing to negotiate with others is inherently political. Like, that is... So if you're if you're looking... I don't know what the dictionary definition of politics is, but I would imagine it's something along the lines of um, a communication between two entities that, uh, that each wield power in some regard, and ha- their actions and communications have some sort of implication upon something. So, pretty broad definition generally, but it's all it all politics all comes down to communication, and um, and there are a lot of different ways to communicate, different styles, um, different strategies for um, communicating and adapting communications and getting others to um, to interface with you in a way that's beneficial to whatever your goal is, mm-hmm. but um in the end it does come down to communication and refusing to communicate is a style of communication yeah and i don't mean to come off as like harsh like i i'm i'm fine with people that i agree with you i i don't have an issue with people who are like heads down you know using the poker analogy you know sunglasses on headphones in hoodie up you know that kind of play style like that's fine do that i just question why you're here is all no shame against that play style or that like approach i just think you're you're leaving 
you're leaving advantage on the table a little bit, you know, like I feel like that you're starting would, off. Yeah. That I feel like you're starting off on like not necessarily a wrong foot, just not the best foot. In my opinion, it def you're definitely making the game harder on yourself, especially mm -hmm. when um because that play style is really, really good when um it's something like poker and it is all about just what the cards do and it's like, do you have it, do you not? Like you're trying to assess whether or not your opponents have the nuts or the interaction to stop you or whatever. It's also really good in 1v1 is the whole sunglasses on mentality. But in a multiplayer format, the likelihood that your three opponents are going to not communicate with each other. So if three opponents communicate with each other, maybe. Like, it's it's pretty likely, but it might not happen. If two opponents are communicating with each other while the other two opponents don't communicate between themselves... That's a really likely scenario that I've seen it happen a lot. One player yeah. is a is a big table talker, and somebody else maybe is, or they're not opposed to it. And so once they're engaged with negotiations and conversations, they um, they get into it. And now these two people start running away with the whole game politically, um, whereas the other two players who may be just content to sit there and let the cards talk for themselves. Um, you can say it's gameplay or not, but we all know that the best counterspell is saying, hey, I'm not sure you want to cast that right now, um, and not such having to tap your mana. Um, so, so I don't know why I understand it, but I don't know why one would want to play the game at a disadvantage to their opponents, because that is, in my mind, generally what refusing to politic does to you. Yeah, even something as simple as, like, asking like what a card does and like questioning to the table like you genuinely don't know like does this thing win the game like does anyone know what like this card does you know is this i don't have the threat assessment on this card table do you have information that i lack you know oh, even, even something sure. as simple as that goes so very <clears throat> far especially That's... if you're like honest about it and just like i'm just trying to understand what's going on here yeah you know that's really big i know that i was playing in a game um a while back but i was playing a game with some people who i hadn't played with before and there was a jund dargo list was i don't remember what they cast like they cast some sort of altar or something and they started like popping off and we ended up having to interact really so optimally at a couple different points and um missed a choke point because the player to my left um didn't force negation the thing they were supposed to force and um at the end of the game we were debriefing and they were and they literally said yeah i just didn't know that was the choke point and um and no one told me that like this was a thing that we should counter and hey that's on me that's i assumed that my opponents knew what the threats were and they were counter would counter it and i i should have spoken up i usually do but for whatever reason in that instance i didn't and um got punished for it so uh that i i definitely agree with you like making sure everyone knows all right so before the spell resolves here's what it's going to do. Um, let's make sure that we know how to interact with it the best. Um, and communicating that style of let's not lose the game, let's focus on our role one first. Um, it's really important. It's really important politically to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Of We've got to make sure that we are not like getting blown out just because someone doesn't know they're supposed to interact here. Yeah, I, I, it's similar to like uh, judge calls in a way where like a lot of judge calls are fixed by just narrating what's happening. Like if you're if like being able to narrate what is happening to the table from your perspective is a very potent tool, especially even more potent if you're able to not necessarily like hard curve the conversation away from you, just like deflecting, but just like guiding it a little, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, um, this Douthy come down, that's pretty good. 
um, because it's shutting them down. But I know it shuts you down more. Like, obviously, you know, if, if the Douthy is a problem, probably a good idea to get rid of it for you sooner rather than later. Yeah. While you're you're sitting here with Breach in your hand waiting for this Douthy to go. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, I think there's the other thing to point out is there's a... It's not, like, huge, huge, but there is a substantial difference between politics and CDH and politics and TDH. Because um, aside from the, like, okay, let's calculate points and decide when to ID here and all of that stuff, because that's always something that that can be done in any style of tournament magic. Um, Like, that's just just determining rankings that was optimal for people um, Mm -hmm. moving into a top cut is always really important to consider. But just the way you have to politic because... Like once something goes off the stack, you can't remove it. You can't. Your targets are locked in. You can't change it according to the M, uh, MTSR and stuff like that. There's things you have to consider ahead of time. Things you have to say ahead of time that you have to really be on top of. And uh, a lot of players jumping into tournament EDH might not might not like be as ready as they need to be. So I know like I'll pull from an example that I had a couple months back. I was playing in an event. And I was. Um, I was playing Teferi, and my opponents were playing Thrasios something, and for whatever reason, they had a Pithing Needle to play. Okay, that's great, um, but Pithing Needle generally names Teferi. That's a really potent card at, at a table. It stops Chain Veil combos from going off. So generally, Thrasios uh, or Kenrith or Teferi or... Um, I can't think of any other commanders with activated abilities, but just commanders with activated, activated abilities in general are all super potent targets for like a Pithing Needle-style effect to come down on. Um, so they Thrasios player spins, uh, spins the commander, flips the Pithing Needle, moves into their turn, and uh, they start their turn by tapping some mana, and I jump in right then. It's like, okay, so before you do anything, I just, like, you tap some mana, I just want to make sure that we're on the same boat. Like, I get if you're going to Pithing Needle to Fairy, totally makes sense to me. Um, it's a really strong card, but before you do, let's just talk about how that's going to impact the board state because, like, let's discuss how, like, I might interact with you and what I may or may not be able to do to influence the table after that, like, as far as stopping other people from winning because there was also Turbo Nas, there was a Blue Farm was at the table and something, somebody else. So it's like, okay, but if you turn off my engine, like, I can't stop Blue Farm, blah, 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 makes their Croms attack to Fairy instead of, like, players so they can't draw cards. So let's just have that discussion. The player was like, okay, for sure. Um... Pithing Needle literally never got cast after that. Like it, it never came up. But this, the type of thing where you have to, you have to be ready. You have to like kind of jump the gun almost. Be like, hey, hey, I know it. You might be thinking of doing this, and it's really bad for me. I'm acknowledging that flat out. But let's just talk about it beforehand because if we take an action, it's locked in. We can't run it back because mm-hmm. we're at competitive REL. Yeah, no, that's that's a big one that I actually was able to whip out over. Uh, we just had an event this past week, and I was able to pull off that maneuver. Uh, someone was going to fire Covenant to clear, uh, I think, like, my, my doubt. No, it was my opposition agent. Um, mm-hmm. And they were going to cast them. Like, okay, we're, we're going to cast that. Okay, I Oppo, absolutely, you need to get rid of that. I understand. But let's consider before we lock in that number, the other things on the board we want to get rid of. You know, do we want to get rid of, you know, this Divmizit, this this Dranith, this what this, this, that, and the other. You know, like I understand my things going perfectly fine. That's what you should be doing. However, let's take this opportunity because we can spread this a little bit farther. Let's consider our options here. And I think that's that's a really good take. Like, that's an easy takeaway. I just making sure everyone's on board with just all of the options that are available to us and definitely you have to be a little assertive uh and for me i'm not i'm not really the big on assertion um 
in those regards, but it's yeah, a really it can, easy thing to pull out. It'd be hard for players who are a little more timid, for sure. Definitely, definitely. Um, I think that Fire Covenant's a really good example just to elaborate more on the, like, make sure you're talking before things get locked in. Because I, I was actually in that game as well. And it was, this is a really good example because Fire Covenant has an additional cost that you have to pay in order to target. So they're like, I'm going to be casting Fire Covenant. They declare their intent. And then before they choose to pay the alternative costs, um, the so the spell hasn't targeted anything. Um, you jumped in there and you're like, all right, well, let's talk about, before you target anything, let's talk about it. Because at mm -hmm. this point, X is flexible. They can decide what to target and how much life to pay and things like that. So it's very adjustable. So they're they're going to be casting Fire Covenant. Great, we know this. They've, they've declared their intent to cast a spell, but they haven't locked in a number yet or targets. So there's still wiggle room on like, this might be really good to remove so we don't lose the game. Or that might be really important to not kill so that uh, it stops so-and-so. Um, and so that's that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. It it's one of those like really easy like keep in your back pocket type of type of tricks that like sometimes it might save you, other times or sometimes it might win you the game. Most of the time, it's to make sure you all don't lose. Primarily, it's yeah. Think, it's not gonna it's not gonna throw a game. It, sorry, it will throw games away. It doesn't frequently like win you games. No, but it's no. just important to communicate. Yeah, it, I think at the end of the day, with it, when it comes to politics, like making sure that everyone is like communicating to some degree and making sure everyone's like on board with like what's going on, like okay, who's who's the threat, threat assessment, all that stuff, like that. It all feeds into each other. For uh, sure. At the end of the day, like I think politics is better served as just like just good table talk, good table manners. You know, making sure everyone's playing to the best of their abilities. Really. Oh, absolutely. It is at at the end of the day, like. I see you do this one all the time where like you like gas an opponent up uh, slightly um, only to kind of like guide their hand a little. <laughs> That's what can I say? It's it, people like feeling good. If you're going no, to make them feel trick. good. <laughs> it's a, it's a great little thing. And also like, you just, Oh man, this Atlas guy is pretty cool. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a very different approach. Cause I generally, when it comes to those kinds of social situations have like a different, just a different approach. I'm very like problem solvy. I have a, don't have like education in it, but I, I come from sales experience. So I'm all, I'm all about like, okay, we have a problem. Let's talk about the problem. Let's explore solutions for the problem. Let's, let's figure out what the, like, what your best solution here in this moment is. You're, you know, like, if I'm the threat, I will constantly talk through, like, all my lines. Like, oh, yeah, I could do this, this, and this. Or, like, I have this. Like, yeah, like, I totally understand that. Like, if you had to, if you have to remove things, you know, like, this is, like, priority one, two, three. Like, these kinds of things. Like, often to my detriment. But I feel like that allows me to curry favor with a table more. Especially as I, I tend to, like, more aggressively slanted decks than more controlly decks. I, I've learned sure. the past few months. So being able to kind of remove myself from that situation and be like, no, no, I totally understand. Like if you have to stop me, like I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you my choke points. Obviously that's for you to figure out and for me to figure out as well. But like on the board state, like this is like public information. Like I'll probably be like, if you're, it's this like the, just kill, kill the oppo. Like that's, what's locking all you down. Like you got to <laughs> kill anything on my board. Like this is the thing to kill, obviously. Um, and just like, Oh, well, this guy, if this guy's willing to help himself lose, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, I am. Uh, you should counter the thing that's going to stop me, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, well, because like we said, so, and we're going to keep coming back to this theme, but politics is at its core. It's just different ways of communicating with people. And mm -hmm. so making sure 
that um, making sure that that communication is really clear and um, very honest and open is very important for effective communication and effective politics. Um, I know that one of my one of the single best things a player can do that has no impact on the game, but it, it, me it makes everyone play better and it makes everyone more receptive to uh, gameplay going forward, like discussing with one another. Just if the stack gets complex, ask to construct it. Construct the stack. Yeah, and it's it's this this particularly won't help you like win any games. It's also not going to throw any games away, but it, it's just really nice because it helps the entire table understand clearly what's going on, and that clear understanding translates into better gameplay for everyone. So just saying, okay, hey guys, uh, I think I have something I want to do, but before we do, can we construct the stack? And just taking all the spells and represent representative cards of all the abilities and stuff, um, putting that in order on the stack, like one card on top of the other, is just really, really easy, simple, and helpful for everyone. Yeah, construct. There's also no shame in doing it. Like it's four players, like especially four player, four blue players with counter spells and like. Ristic triggers and Esper Sentinel triggers and Remora triggers and fetch lands mm -hmm. and oppos like stacks get complicated very very fast. Um, so being able to just slow down a little bit and be like, okay, we all need to know what's like. We all need to be on the same page. Like it doesn't matter like what anyone has. Like for everyone's benefit, we need to clearly see and demonstrate that we all know what is happening. So uh, wait everyone can take their best step forward not just me not just my opponents everyone on the table um i i i don't know i i see a lot of people talk about like trying to improve their own game and i understand that but i also think being able to bring up the table's game is equally as important in like when it comes to just being a good mat a good cdh player a good tdh player you know absolutely I feel like constructing the stack is a huge boon to that because maybe some people are like have problems like visualizing the stack or like keeping track of it like this helps make sure that everyone clearly understands what is happening well i remember um at one event we went to somebody brought and i didn't play with this person but a couple of, of you all did um somebody brought a literal pad like not just like a like a legal note pad but like uh like a large large like sticky note large sticky note style put it on a put it on an easel style pad of paper to mm -hmm. write down everything on the stack and they would write down every game action that happened when there was something going on the stack and then you can go you say this trigger that trigger this trigger that trigger so and so cast a spell so and so targeted this um and so just being able to look back at that written record um really intricate probably very time consuming but also a very useful tool um, very 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 useful tool for like you said bringing up the just the whole gameplay of the table to make sure that everyone is is playing effectively to the be to the best of their ability because that everyone playing well um and playing effectively is truly what makes the game fun and what also makes um makes the the gameplay like meaningful because if you're if you're just stopping people like pub stop go play against a bunch of casual decks or if you're um uh, if you're being like the stack is really obscure and no one's sure no one's sure what's going on and things are just being made to auto resolve passing priority like inconsequentially that gets the games get muddy and it it, it just leaves everyone doesn't matter who wins everyone walks away feeling kind of like that game could have been so much better mm -hmm. 
And that's definitely like the commander spirit, like in full effect, just at a high level. Like we all want the game to be good. Like I don't, as much as like we all want to win, I think like secondarily or even primarily to that, like we all want a good game at the end of the day. Like I want to bring my deck to a CDH pod and I want to be impactful, you know? Mm -hmm. I, at the end of the day, like I want to make make it so that my my presence, my decisions have impact on this game, um, and I think that's that's a that's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. Let's let, let's 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 guide our hand a little bit to the more nefarious side of politics, where we're where we're casting counter spells with our words. Our our tongues are deflecting swats. Our waves of our hands are silences. Let's 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 talk about manipulating people i make i'm making this sound evil but like an element to politics and i think this is where a lot of people get wary and not want to like engage in politics is the notion that you're someone's puppet you know sure um to some degree for sure i want to win the game these are things i'm going to use to my advantage um but i also don't think that's a bad thing i think that's a decent skill set to have well there's I, yeah, there is a misconception when people use the per term politicking. Mm -hmm. um, people think they think manipulative, they think puppet mastery, they think Machiavellian. And while those can all play a role in different people's play styles and they can have impacts on games, um, it can also be that those particular elements don't enter into a game at all like you can just mm -hmm. have a very wholesome straightforward um game where everyone is communicating with one another directly um sometimes sometimes machiavellian politics backfire drastically because you you try and subvert something and you walk into something else like that you didn't know was it that was there and everyone's like ah you got me yeah but not again um and that, but that whole element, um, it, it, it's, it's really important to be aware of like the battles that you're picking and choosing, because like mm -hmm. you said earlier, um, at, lying can be really detrimental. So you got to make sure that if you are using misinformation, if you are trying to, um, mislead your opponents, um, on a, on like ways that to interact with you, that you're not like you're not telling them a, like an outright lie. It would be like something along a ex, uh, broad example would be something along the lines of, well, like I, I could go get a, a, a stacks piece with this tutor. So I'm not sure that you want to counter it. And somebody says, Oh yeah, well I could go get a stacks piece. And then you instead uh, go get like Thassa's Oracle or something like that. Well, you didn't say you would get a stacks piece. You said you could get a stacks piece and it, Yes, like it is some it's semantic. It's like it's very picky, but at the same time, like you didn't make a deal with someone, so there's nothing to really hold you to. You didn't lie to them. So and, the, and of course it comes down to per players, not everyone's gonna see things the same way. I've definitely talked with people who are like, oh yeah, like you can totally lie in the game. And I'm like, I mean, I guess, like you can, I'm never going to. But if, uh, and if someone lies to me after I've made a deal with them, I'm never going to trust them. And I, I will make their life a living hell for the rest of that game. Um, but like at the same time, like that's the way they want to play it, but they have to be willing to live with the repercussions that their actions generate from my side of the table, because mm -hmm. my, 
my policy is if you're going to lie to me, I'm just going to, I'm just going to retaliate <laughs> like in game, of course, but like, I'm going to like, I'm going to start nuking all of your stuff first, even if it's maybe not technically optimal gameplay. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, and I'll make that clear. Like, don't lie to me because I will, I will like, that's going to generate an enemy from me. You don't want to do that because it makes your life so much harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, in that instance where in this proposed scenario where a player lies to you and you turn turn around and say cool you are my primary target where's the line of where you would consider that like spite play to some degree so i'm not gonna it, th- it, to, to me it sounds not exactly spite play but like adjacent to it yeah no i think so there's there's a lot of really good discussions about spite play on a variety of podcasts and stuff and people are always going to take their own going to take their own um views on this um i think sad Nas had a really good episode about king making a spite play a while back um so go check that out if you if you're interested in hearing that discussion um but they basically settled on the idea of you can't king make you can't spite play in cdh because like whatever you're doing is supposed to get you closer to winning the game which I agree with half of that. I think that there are, there are weird situations that can pop up where it is. I can take no, if I take no game actions, somebody wins. If I take any game actions, the other person wins. Uh, so that's a weird, there are weird situations like that. will that do pop up. That said, I'm not sure I'm of the opinion that spite plays, not sure they exist in CDH because before you go and lie to me, I will like, if I think there's a chance that you can't, that you're going to, I I will say, hey, don't don't do this because this is going to be the my response if you do. If you lie to me, my response in kind is going to be to make sure that you don't win this game, even if I don't win this game. And that is a risk that my opponents now have to weigh. Is am am I bluffing or am I dead serious? It's like, yeah, I'll I'm going to pack negation every spell you cast. I'm going to kill every dork you play, even though the breach player to my left is just going un- uninhibited um, because you lied to me. So that's whether or not that's true. Like that's an evaluation that your opponent then has to make. Right. So I think that's it's, something that you, it, it is a, in and of itself, a political tool. It is a style. As long as you say it to your opponent ahead of time, as long as you communicate to that, that, that to them, that is a political tool. You are, you are um, threatening force, which is which is technically a political tool. Oh, yeah, it's hearing you describe it in that way. It's very much like it's a tool in your belt. And I think I think the difference that a lot of people don't pick up on is you set the expectation of, hey, if you're thinking about doing this, understand that if you choose wrong, I I'm going to do this. It may not be the right move. It is the move I am making though. So. Proceed as you will with that information. And I think that's a very important distinction to make. Absolutely. Well, and so going off of that is when I look at politics in in a game, um, I tend to evaluate them. And I think I've mentioned this before in another episode, I tend to evaluate them in terms of like, uh, in terms of like geopolitical entities, right? So uh, player one is a nation, player two is a nation, three and four are different nations, right? So and if you look at that, um, I have a little bit of a background in um, in international communication studies. So you can take different styles of communication that work for different different global powers and different tools that are used, and you can sort of scale them down and say, 
say something similar, right? So the threat of mutual destruction is an example that I just that I just proposed, right? It's like oh, if yeah. you do oh, something that is going to threaten, that is going to be detrimental to me, that's going to threaten me, I am going to respond by destroying you, even though I know I'm not going to survive it, right? So that that threat of mutually assured destruction is a tool that different different nations. Um, can be seen using against each other at different times. And there are a lot of different examples that you can take and you can scale down. And um, me being the weirdo that I am, I, this is something that I do in my free time sometimes. Is I brainstorm different ways you can scale down um, geopolitical communication tools to use in Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you say a sentence that so perfectly captures you. <laughs> yes this big globe like this big global thing that happens i'm going to find a way to use this in my magic the gathering cardboard <laughs> it, no incredible no i, I think it I sounds think so silly it, it sounds silly it is <laughs> but then i look at you like going on tears and like just walking into any game and doing whatever the fuck you want to do and i'm just like there's a nugget of truth there. Like there's, there's something there that I'm obviously not doing. Cause I think you said uh, at the top of the episode, like you don't think that you're doing anything like crazy or anything, but that's a crazy thing you're doing is taking <laughs> the theory of mutually assured destruction and trying to translate that appropriately and nicely and politely as, as mutually assured destruction always is very polite very upfront uh in in multiplayer magic the gathering like you you see that right oh yeah yeah for sure i just think uh, yeah it, yeah it's it's just it's a funny thing to say um but i i think if you are not um it brewer's mentality if you're not constantly trying to improve on these certain aspects of the game not only are you going to be left behind, you're also not going to be discovering something that you that you may be uniquely able to take advantage of that maybe other people can't. Like, you can listen to all of the great, you know, like, social deduction, social engineering, all kinds of things. Um, mentioned previously, like, IT work and, like, hacking and stuff like that. And penetration testing is a particular field that I'm fascinated by, absolutely enamored with. And the idea of social engineering is, you know... You're trying to convince, you know, uh, uh, someone or something to divulge information or you're, you're, it's the nice way of saying manipulating people. Yeah. Um, social hacking is so interesting. Who needs to hack it, tech when you can just get someone to tell you what they, what the password is? The weakest technology is the person, unfortunately. It is also the strongest technology. Um, but I digress. It's, you know, taking all of these different aspects of a, uh, social interactions is going to matter in magic the gathering now i sound crazy <laughs> no definitely and that's that's honestly that's one of the big tenets of the discussion around politics when it first started to pop up in um in like podcasts and youtube content and stuff was man politics is is like really unfair because some players who really enjoy magic or good players don't have the same social skills that other people do and so uh, and, and I totally agree with that. I think that it is like really unfair the advantages that some players can enter the game with just because they're super charismatic. Um, but that said, like that isn't realistically the card game. And because it is a multiplayer game and you are the rules don't say you can't talk because you are allowed to talk um, during the game. 
there's there's nothing wrong with that and it be it that aspect politicking then itself becomes an aspect of the game and some players are going to be innately more good at it and some players are going to have to work a lot harder just as some players are going to be really good at like assessing the numbers of their decks and figuring out like this play is mathematically optimal um while other players are going to have to struggle a lot more with that type of like um risk to reward assessment and so mm -hmm. like those are just different different things and uh it's it's unfortunate that the social aspect can also be affected by uh by by per people's personalities or like different An infinite number of possibilities yeah different way different places they enter the game uh they enter the game from in like their own personal lives so so that's and the fact that that can be an, an actual detriment to players in games depending on who you're potted up with it is really unfortunate but once again it's something that like as a player you have to account for in a multiplayer in a multiplayer format um it, like something something like relatively relatively vanilla is just like if you have a stutter or if you're soft-spoken that is that is going to realistically be an active detriment to you in a game because if you're soft-spoken you're um you're probably going to be a little bit uh a little bit easier to talk over people might not pay attention to what you're saying as actively than if someone is uh, very very loud and very verbose they're going to take a lot of the table's attention when they're speaking right or if you have a stutter um it might make it uh it might make it hard for someone else to to gauge what you're saying or worst case scenario um uh, you, you implement your stutter um, in in a game on accident, and um, and somebody else gets annoyed by it, and they lash out at you for it. Like that's all, that's the far reach of that more Very vanilla far example. example yeah. But that's that's what I'm saying. It's like it's something that players have to be aware of, especially if they want to optimize their political play, which is all what this episode is all about. Yeah. Um. It. We we I think you said it best when when you said like we all come from different backgrounds like in the game socially as per, like we are all individual people we're all going to have very different approaches to the game and making use of politics as a way to either equalize get ahead catch up whatever like it's a it's another tool in your arsenal outside of your cardboard um me and you have talked a lot about like cardboard mattering or people mattering just kind of in our off time and like politics is a, is a people matter thing you know um and nothing wrong with deciding to leave that on the table and trying to play you know the best most tight technical play possible that's also totally valid uh yeah no it's 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 very interesting stuff um you think about this stuff a lot more than i do <laughs> i do i told you i'm a freak i'm a weirdo i i have i have a a twisted interest in the human psyche and so it's mm -hmm. just really interesting to me to parse apart games and see um see how people interact with one another and then think about different ways that you can like optimize your own gameplay uh, treating um communication and people skills as an actual tool that you can bring like it's to some extent it's like setting up a sideboard like mm -hmm. you i something i do is um i don't do it constantly but i do it on a regular basis is i'll be playing a game and i'll come up with a, an idea or a theory about like how to um how to set people up in a situation that i can then uh get them to do a certain thing so it's yes yeah, sure it's manipulative um but it's in good faith it's in a game I'm not trying it, to do this don't take any of this stuff and use it in real life that's 
bad. We don't we don't want yeah, to do that. We're, we're, we're um, talking about these things in the confines of like I don't want I don't want your wizard spell to stop my wizard ball. Like exactly, like, exactly. We're, we're talking we're talking we're talking we're talking preface all of it. Stuff. Yeah, we're moving talking into some of the more like scenario oriented stuff with yeah, like we're, we're all not, in the context of a game. Yeah, so, we're, we're, we're here. All this stuff stops as soon as a winner is declared in our table, and everyone's smiley, happy, jokey. Like I'm not trying to manipulate you. After the tournament the table. ends, yeah, the manipulation ends. Let's phrase it like <laughs> oh, that. Oh, okay, okay. We're going that far. <laughs> For me, I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just try and be happy and smiley where I can, really. Yeah, but so that aside, like I, I do, I prep like different scenarios in my head, or going from casual games. Like, okay, well, if I, if someone has like this stacks piece and I want this other person to remove it, what can I say that would encourage them to remove it? Um, so I come up with different phrases and things like that, like craft. Um, and then I'll, I'll test them out like in different scenarios and see what sort of like, what sort of baseline tends to work the best. And then you can like workshop it. And then worst case scenarios, I'm crafting these on the fly in tournament, which is I've done it once or twice before, but it's, it's wildly like scary as the person's like, well, if I lose, I lose this round, and I'm at zero points, not three, <laughs> or at or at, or at one um, for the for the round, and that skews my rankings. So like, you can do it. I don't recommend it if you're gonna be a highly political player. I would recommend prepping some of your political go tos um, ahead of time. But I set these things up as heuristics for myself to where I can just recall them quickly and then. Uh, and be like, okay, well, this play is typically effective in this type of scenario, and then just kind of tailor it, uh, and then implement it within the game. Um, so, like I said, it's kind of like setting up a sideboard for myself for for social gameplay, because um, I do see that as a as its own separate facet of the game outside of the cardboard. Because you can have the you can have the nuts in your hand, or I see it as you can also have the nuts on the table. Like you can just like maybe your hand is super suboptimal, or someone else's cards are just god tier. But that doesn't necessarily matter if you if you have convinced everyone to counter each other's spells and let you just play the game unaffected. If everyone's just going to let you do your own thing, doesn't matter if someone else has the nuts, or if you don't. Yeah, I mean it, it it brings it brings it back to poker. I mean you can have the technical best hand at the table, but if you can still it, the the weaker hand can still bluff out the better hand, given the right like play. Uh, you know, si uh, signaling, nonverbal communication, verbal communication. Uh, oh yeah, and then the actual, NLP. Like, if you're, if you're talking neurolinguistic programming, can't forget yeah. that. Yeah, uh, all that stuff like that 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 can happen. That can definitely happen in Magic. I mean, the amount of times that I mean, I mean heck, the other the other uh, day, um, is someone was like, yeah, I had like three counter spells in hand, and you just like weren't presenting like anything, and I didn't put you on anything, and then I went for the win, like through one piece of interaction when they could have held up like several other pieces of interaction. Um, by yeah. all means, I should not have won the turn I did, but I did. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting uh, that in a previous episode, we talked about windows. Um, and I think that's really good for trying to like figure out where your windows are. I was talking with a, uh, a buddy of mine earlier today, actually about how, like, you know, as, as someone who likes to play Rakdos, who, who likes to play non-blue, like, I I think if you're not playing blue, you have to put some work into your politics. Because when you sit down at a table, your worth diminishes very, very fast, or it's long, it, or it elongates it, depending on if you have exactly, like, Oppo and Mayhem Devil, like, critical stacks and control creatures that are those are your bargaining chips those are those are the reasons to keep you around um blue 
is pretty easy to lean on in that regard. Uh, that's why I've jokingly said it as like, it's a crutch is like the reason to keep a blue player around, or at least in the game to some degree is they will have the cleanest answers to the problem things on any given board. Um, and as someone who plays non-blue that I have been trying to figure out my style and implement more is trying to give myself more bargaining power, give myself as many chips as possible to give people reasons to keep me around the game, despite my function in the game being to try and win as many times as possible. Yeah, uh, definitely. You, know, you look at, you know, stack, like their whole thing is they stop the, they stop the fast players, control players. They are able to deal with the problematic things very surgically. The pure Adnaz player, even though I don't play Adnaz at this point, um, my worth is very, very limited in that regard. So why, why wouldn't you try and like, as, as like my political antagonist, why would you not try to direct the firepower at me, so to speak? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's definitely something to keep in mind is um, table focus is something that I, I get hi I'm hyper aware of in a game. And sometimes it really matters and sometimes it doesn't. Really yeah, yeah. It, it, it scales depending on like what your pod composition looks like. But table focus is um, that's what I call it. It's generally the idea of who's the threat at the time. Like who are people directing their resources at stopping? Um, and it's, it's can, it can play a really weird, like um, sort of like ping pong with the table where in theory, I'm trying to win or I'm setting up to win. So now I'm the threat. You're set. Now I've passed the turn. So now you're setting up to win. Now you're the threat. Um, there's, there's an I think a there's really a good one card. Table. Yeah, I think a really good one card example of this is Wishclaw Talisman. It's like, I have a tutor. Oh, yeah. um, yep. I am the threat. I crack the talisman and pass to someone else. After we get through this person's turn, the person who has the talisman, now on their turn, they're the threat, right? It's a really good way to sort of exemplify table focus in one card. Um, more complex scenarios could be something along the lines of what happened to us in a game the other day where... Um, one player is super, super far ahead. They're popping off and they have all the resources to win. By all means, they should have won. And, um, and so everyone's dedicating all the resources to stopping them. Um, but it's going to take, it has to be on their next turn because they, because they don't, they have to untap first, right? So it gets to my turn and I cast a big scary card, but it's, it's not that much of a problem. I, it's not a combo card. Um, it's not like, it's not super impressive when someone else is demonstrating literal lethal on their turn. Um, and then it go, goes around the table and everyone's ignoring my my crazy value engine because uh, player C is popping off over here. Um, and then player C, but to player C, I'm still not the threat with my crazy value engine because I don't have the stacks piece that's stopping them. There's a mayhem devil in play that's stopping them from cracking their treasures, and an op controlled by the same player, um, which is that's Joe, uh, <laughs> um, that is also stopping them from tutoring for the win. So to them, their focus is entirely directed at Joe. This basically means that me get uh, me with my my draw engine here. I'll just draw cards every time someone casts a spell, um, and then it's going to get back to my turn, and no one really noticed until oh wait, we're about to pass the turn, and I'm untapping with like. 20 something cards in my hand because I just wasn't the focus. No one asked me how many cards from my, my hand. No one said, Hey, we should worry about that. Um, and so that's something to, that's a great example of like table focus and how you can direct table focus. And it's something that I, in that game, for example, I 
was specifically aware of. And so I, I, the player who's trying to win, I knew these other two cards, they may or may not have actually stopped them from winning, but they, they're scary things and they could in theory stop them from winning uh, if they, especially if they need to cast a tutor. So I'm, I'm saying, Oh, Hey, that ops like really locking me down right now. Sure. It's locking me down, but I'm not trying to win. Everyone sees that I'm not trying to win right here. Um, Cause I only have like three cards in my hand at this point and I'm all tapped out and all, cause I just resolved my vet, my draw engine. Um, and so this mayhem double in this Joe controls the mayhem double and the off. They have the entire table locked down, but they can play uninhibited. So directing the, the player threes focus over there, really, really useful because one it draws, it uh, draws eyes away from the fact that every time someone plays a spell, I'm drawing a card. I was so keenly aware as soon as you put that card in play, uh, I, politics aside, I saw that card come down. I'm like, oh, cool. So Atlas thinks they can win on their next turn. <laughs> it's a value engine. What can I say? People let you just draw cards for free. Of course, you're going to win on your next turn. I think that's a really good example of like being able to narrate the table. Like in, in that instance where you were able to resolve your big, scary value engine that took over the game and ruined my life forever. Um, <laughs> you, all, all you really did was take the heat off of you. Be like, Hey, I'm tapped out. I'm just result. I'm just trying to draw some cards here. Like I can't win like at instant speed. However, like on the table, these are the things that is locking you big scary player down you're trying to win the game right hey this is the big target you need to hit um and i think it beautifully executed masterfully done um but I, I think that in essence ties a lot of what i would identify to be your political style of like hey i'm just here to have a good time this is the guy that's ruining your good time so uh <laughs> hit him yeah um, which more or less which as I, I like handling those situations because I have to go, okay, I understand I'm scary. I understand, like, understand, like, I have three cards in hand. If I could try to win, I would be trying to win and not having this conversation. Um, we can work together on this and try and keep my stuff around, right? Right? Okay, okay, okay. Um, and try and, like, water bends that kind of energy towards whatever I think is the uh, biggest threat at the table. Yeah. And I think that like that, that focus is a really key component to effective politicking is being able to direct table focus and say, look, I know this is, I know that what I'm doing is bad, but what they're doing is so much worse. Mm -hmm. I think that's basically what table focus boils down to. Another really important aspect that I think, um, think plays a role in effective politics um, is when when working together making sure because if if your opponents have a chance to slow you down while also slowing someone else down of course they're going to take it because it advantages them right um so a great example is chain of vapor if if i know that i have a chain and i don't like something you have but something else that someone else has is going to be losing me the game I'm going to chain the thing that I don't like and force you to chain the thing that loses us the game, right? So that's a good example. Um, so being able to being able to negotiate with your opponents and um, it's another another form of focus direction, I guess. Um, aside from just like the entire table, but saying, "Hey, so if you if you chain my thing, then I'm going to have to sack a land to bounce that. But if you do that, while it gets rid of the thing that you don't like." then I won't be able to take this action that's actually going to benefit you on your turn. Um, and so, and that's something that you can do as well, but 
when you're doing that, you have to like take into account turn order and things like that. Once, but the, those sort of like negotiations you can make with with uh, individual cards and how they're going to affect one player versus another, and how it's going to affect one player and cause that player to affect another player, um, of which Chain is a prime example, is is really useful skill uh, when it comes to politicking. I think with Chain of Vapor specifically, it's a very like one-to-one comparison of like that like kind of abstract idea like printed onto cardboard like i feel like everyone's experienced the the god chain of vapor where it's like okay we all agree this is the problem right everyone's in agreement i have the thing that can get rid of it cool i'm gonna get rid of the dranith that's locking me out of the game now you're gonna have to deal with it because we all agree that this this is this was the bad thing that needed to get gone yeah yeah and that's definitely something that happens then of course you have to be you have to be aware of those like that player might not continue the chain. Like you don't have control of it at that point. It's a game. So that's that's when that negotiation comes into play. Is like I I have found it to be very effective to tell your opponents your your plan um, when you know you're going to be doing something. Tell your opponents what you're doing and lay out your logic for them before you do it or as you're doing. It. So in that case, we so I have this chain of vapor, right? And I and we need to get that um, get that Malcolm off the field or we lose the Glinthorn combo. But I also cannot play the game through your Draineth Magistrate. So I'm going to have to bounce my bounce your Draineth here. And then you're going to have to sack a land to bounce the Malcolm because we'll lose if we if we don't do this. But I'm also going to be losing either way. So for me, it makes the most sense to bounce the Draineth and take the gamble on the fact that you're also going to uh, sack the land to chain the Malcolm uh, so that we don't lose. And that will allow me to get back into the game. And that I that's really typically pretty effective when you can't demonstrate a win by whatever you're removing. Otherwise, a player might might clap back with something um, something that they respond in kind. So okay, that's I get that. But if you're going to be chain of vaporing my Dranith, I know that that when you uh, when your oh, I don't know what's a commander that wins the game out of the blue. I know Goto can't play chain, but. Uh, yeah. If your Goto leaves the command zone, I lose the game on the spot. So if you bounce my Dranith, I will not be bouncing the Malcolm because I've lost either way since you untapped before me, and it doesn't matter. Um, so don't chain the Dranith and try and find a different way to deal with it. And then you can like enter into those sort of like negotiations, right? But uh, that is, that's I keep using the term respond in kind. It's uh, that in and of itself a, a term used in um, in business negotiations so if someone proposes uh hits you with a highball offer you can respond in kind you can hit them back with a lowball offer um and typically these types of negotiations uh and uh they devolve and end up with parties walking away or becoming conflicted at one another um which is something to be aware of as a third party if you don't like the fact that adranath would be disappearing but you really still want the malcolm to dis to disappear um you can and you also want to make the Goto player the enemy of whoever controls the Dranith, you can yourself escalate these tensions um, and cause opponents to respond in kind through your own in uh, interjections, um, thus thus increasing the tension between those two players, meaning that their negotiations in the future are going to be hostile and less likely to succeed. And then you, as a third party, can step in and um, serve as an arbiter and say, look, guys, I know that we all... like we all." know that the Malcolm needs to leave the battlefield. So how about instead of chaining the Dranith, we just chain this thing instead. And then, or like that is mine. That's probably doesn't matter. And then I will chain the Malcolm for everybody if we really want to, or we can just 
chain the Malcolm. And then, however, that situation ends up resolving itself now that you enter the negotiations. But that's definitely something to keep in mind is if, if two parties are butting heads and you think it's going to be advantageous for them to, to be aggressive towards one another in game, def- like stoke those flames, make them conflict with one another. Absolutely. I think as soon as you're able to get someone to take the table's attention and have it not be you, you're usually going to be able to find a way to win a game more often than not. Uh, I, I feel like that's a pretty easy thing to like take advantage of. Is like, okay, well, the two turbo players are fighting over each other, and there's only one control player. Like, I'm just going to untap and win because y'all did not pay attention to me. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely that happens all the time. Is people it, will say, "Oh, fun. you used all your interaction and passed to me." Well, all right, I guess I'm going to win the game. And that's a great example of what you're saying. And this this is just like the step before that. Like this is how you can set yourself up to move into that situation. The other thing I think I personally think of when I think of politics is deal making. Now we're all familiar with deal making. Um, I don't really make many deals in Commander, or I should say, I don't make a lot of very obvious deals. Uh, there's a lot of like constant small deals I'll make, like, hey, uh, I, I'll like ask the table, like, hey, should I get like interaction here? And everyone's like, yeah, interaction's probably good here. And then I just go and get interaction. You know, like I, I would consider that like a deal. Like I am proposing something that I want to do, or I'm offering deals to people. I'm like, hey, I need you. I think it's probably best for us to get this in this situation. I need you to follow up with that. Um, deals are hard in CDH primarily because you're the one that's always holding the bag. Or sorry, I should rephrase. The person proposing the deal is always the one holding the bag. And it's so easy to leave them hanging. It's so, so easy. Especially if you don't have like any way to like reinforce your idea through game mechanics like counter spells or removal or big beefy dudes that just beat you up in two turns. Um. I know what, what's 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 your general opinion on deals, Alice? Um, I think deals can be really useful. I think it's, but you got to look at it sort of like sort of like a contract law type thing. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're going to propose a deal, obviously you have to keep up your end. Um, otherwise, p- players aren't going to trust you in the future, and it's going to be harder to win games and make negotiations going forwards. Right? People are always going to start looking at you with suspicion and distrust. Um, but if you're able to uh, sort of like uh, lawyer or like letter of the law your way into something that's that's like really advantageous to you or like you can you can exploit something um some players might agree with it some players might not but as i've found it to be true that as long as you are able to explain why you didn't break a deal if someone says hey you broke that deal post game players are like okay well i don't agree with it but you don't think you broke the deal and you've laid out to me why you don't think you've broken the deal. So like I accept it and I'm not mad at you. Like it's not, it's not like a trust, a broken trust thing at that point. It's just like, okay, well maybe I have to be a little bit more careful, more selective with the deals I accept at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. So deals can be really useful. I think deals, deals sometimes are kind of gimmicky and quaint. So it's like, if you're like, Hey, don't do X, and I won't like attack you for four turns or whatever. Like that's a very casual a, mentality yeah, type. That, that doesn't. It's do not anything. usually going to happen, right? Some uh, a more competitive version um, that I think can be quite effective, and I have seen people take. Um, I have proposed and had people take is, hey, 
I know that you're hitting me with your thing that's killing me. And I'm going to die very soon. So I have this removal spell, but I don't think it's optimal to use it on that. So just g cut me some slack, and I won't use this on your guy. I'll be able to save it for now. Um, but if you attack me, like then I'm going to have to use it on your guy, which is going to make us both burn resources, and your guy may end up dying, he may end up not dying. And that forces players to really evaluate, is it worth it to keep kicking the shit out of you and like trying to kill you, um, or doing something that will result in your death? Like, Do they really want you dead? Or are you more valuable as someone who's holding a removal spell for a different opponent? Or is it more valuable for them to just have whatever it is that they're they're attacking you with? Um, that can be really successful. Um, then board states change in one round. It's like, okay, well, now you're the threat. Like, I have to keep attacking you. And if you you lay it out like that, like even if it would be like, quote-unquote, breaking the deal because you said you wouldn't attack me, I have, once again, just communicating and laying out why well things have changed i'm going to have to start attacking you and pressuring you now players would be like yeah okay i get that um happened to me the other day i was playing a game with somebody and they had a tivit and they were attacking me and i had taken like three hits so i wasn't dead dead but it was getting rough and um <laughs> three hits with tivit is one or three so i guess i've taken two hits yeah but i wasn't i had two hits left i was was my point there so it was it was rough i i was at like 22 life or something because I've taken damage and 12 Tibbet damage. Um, I have this get this Gilded Drake and I can pay for Tibbet's Ward Trigger and I'm like, look, I don't want to spend five mana to get rid of your Tibbet. And I know that you want your Tibbet. So please just stop attacking me for now. Like, I'm not going to impose any conditions or whatever, but just don't attack me for now and I'm not going to Drake your guy. And they're like, okay, seems fair enough. And then I uh, am able to go on and continue playing the game and not get hit by Tibbet for another turn or two and then I put myself in an advantage state and I'm trying to win the game and they're like well I'm gonna start attacking you with Tibbet and I'm like oh yeah I totally get that like go ahead and hit me with Tibbet now like there's I am the threat pressuring my life total is something you can totally do um but like I'm no hard feelings I don't feel like you've broken our deal at all because you didn't attack me for one turn like that at least gave me a a breathing space where I wasn't burning all my energy trying to just not die mm -hmm. um and I think that's so I think that's a really good example of how deals can work um, in CEDH. But I think if you're going to do something or like, hey, uh, I know you have an op. I'm going to cast this cast this D tutor and I'm going to get a counter spell. Um, so don't like don't op my D tutor. And if like maybe there's a reason like the other person can't cast the counter spell, they don't have the mana to, um, or it's an even mind sensor would be an even better example. So like mana can't get color shifted and you're you're getting a counter spell. That player's not on blue. Okay, well, they're not going to be casting your counterspell, so let them get the counterspell instead of mind censoring them. That'd be another example of, like, something, like, it's small enough that it's not, like, passing the game to somebody, because you're going to go get the counterspell you said you're going to get, and whether or not you use that counterspell to defend your game-winning play or uh, stop somebody else from trying to win the game, that is, that is undecided. That's, like... That's a risk that the person with the sensor is going to have to try and take. Is it maybe maybe you are getting a counterspell to try and win the game with the Thassa consult in your hand, or maybe you're scared of um, you're scared of the Rocco player over there, and you're getting a force of will to counter their next Rocco. Like there are just different things you have to that players on both sides of a deal have to assess. There's always going to be a little bit of a risk take either way because if you say I'm going to go get a counterspell with this D shooter, please don't opt me, and the other player says. I mean, go ahead and cast the D shooter. They didn't say they weren't going to op you, so they can, for all intents and purposes, that I'm that I would see um, as a highly political player, they ha are well within their rights to op you 
or not as they see fit. It's just you're taking that gamble then on faith that the D tutor is going to resolve and you're going to get the counterspell. Mm-hmm. And that that particular scenario is another one that happened in that one game. That game had a lot of moments we're pulling from. It was a good game, a very good game, um, where uh, the blue farm player uh, cast a diabolic intent into a, a known and bounced opposition agent to my hand. Going into your game winning turn, I when I, I asked them like, "You gotta tell me what you're getting here," because I there there is no reason I don't take uh, I don't op you right now. Um, but you got it. You got to tell me what you're getting here. And he basically said to the effect of, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And I went, that's, that's not a reason. Um, turns out he was going to try and win on his turn. So it was the right move for me to do. But in that instance where as someone who has like the tool to stop someone, I, in, in, in that situation where it's like, we need all the help we can get, but I'm also not going to say no to literal free advantage gotta give me a reason to work with you i'm willing i'm willing to work with you just give me the reason yeah definitely and, and i think that's one of the big proponents or one of the big tenets of like my play styles like i'm down to work you got to give me something to work on though otherwise i'm i'm going to have to assume what i need to assume in a given situation however if you you know either convince me or politic me or give me give me something give me something to work with and then i can work with you um if you don't give me anything i can't i can't work with you i can't not necessarily trust or like believe I'm just going to try and advance my own position. Yeah, no. And I think that's your, you, that's the way that you should be playing the game, right? Like you should, if you're not trying to stop someone else, you should be trying to win the game and then and make it other people's problem to stop you. It mm-hmm. goes back to the whole, our whole step one, step two idea, right? It's like you step one, you don't want to lose and step two, you're trying to win the game. So if you're not trying to not lose the game, then you should be trying to win the game. That's a great mm-hmm. example of that. Uh, I did have something on that, uh, the Gilded Drake and Tenet note. I think also when you do like the, hey, stop trying to kill me and I won't have to try and stop you from killing me. You also like tip your hand and show a table like, I have tools that can deal with the table. I feel like that can definitely go either way, right? Yeah, so there's a there's a weird dynamic where it's like sometimes a force of will in hand is a stacks piece um, and nobody's casting any great spells. Or sometimes a force in will, a known force of will in hand is a liability, and um, people are just going to start running out whatever they want, um, as they normally would. And anyone with a counter spell before you in turn order says, "Yeah, pass priority," and just make it your problem, right? So that's that's the that's something to be aware of. It's like if you're making other people aware of the interaction that you're working with, that's always a risk you're posing. Is you're just going to get priority pushed into into using it when maybe you don't want to so then you either have to have a backup plan so you can also pass priority to the next person or let whatever it is resolve um or you have to be willing to accept the consequences of well i guess i am force of willing this dockside extortionist for example um because if i don't then we lose the game yeah and then uh why i don't play blue is i keep getting bullied like that uh be being the thrasios player i was for a minute yeah it's it's a tough situation um i've definitely like kind of figured out some tricks i would like to maybe revisit in the future of just like okay i reveal the force of will and if like i'll usually like let like the priority pass around to me once um and you know afterwards be like okay just so y'all know if you're going to continue to pass the force of will into me i'm just going to keep passing priority 
unless like it's something that we all agree that we need to take care of or like i know someone else has like backup for my counter spell or i have backup for my counter spell or some other thing to supplement it but i feel like that's usually a good way to kind of like reverse that is like if y'all are going to keep doing this i'm i'm just going to keep throwing the game you know it, it, it kind of puts it mutually assured destruction a little bit you know <laughs> I, that, yeah, that's a it's a risky play, but it's a it's a uh, risky but it's, play, it's but a bluff it, more or less. Like maybe you'll follow through on it, maybe you won't. Like mm-hmm. um, so that's something that your opponents also have to have to evaluate, and you yourself have to evaluate in a given moment, right? Yeah, I also but, I, I also wouldn't say it's like rule of thumb. It's definitely like contextual, obviously. Like mm-hmm. if I know like the the Thrasios player is fully online and in the control game plan, and there's not like a turbo player between like the threats. And like me having revealed that information, like I'm obviously I will be responsible if I need to be responsible. But if I know that there's more control magic between those two points, I'm gonna try and fight. I'm gonna try and challenge it at the very least to not get walked on. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, we also mentioned priority there, and that's a that in and of itself is a great political tool because <sighs> yeah, because there are a couple different ways that you can use priority. You can either you can make sure that priority passes each time. Like, okay, do you have anything? Do you have anything? Do you have anything? All right, I'll counterspell this or I'll remove that. Um, or you can uh, you can be like, all right, guys, I got the answer for this. Don't worry, and jump and jump in there and take it, right? Um, so that's something, there are different ways to use that priority order. And some sometimes it's really advantageous to say, I have the exact perfect answer. I've got this, nobody else wastes any interaction. Let me do this and you guys can handle the next one. I've, I've got the misstep for the dark ritual post nods, guys. Like this is a clean one for one answer. It's narrow. It's not going to matter for anything else. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's there's other situations where you think someone else might have a counter spell and you don't want to have to use yours because it can protect your win. So you let the priority pass around, right? Um, there, The general rule of thumb is always make sure priority passes, but when you're playing at a high level politically sometimes there is a reason to jump priority and say don't worry about it i've got this one um i know that i myself i play priority turn order very erratically i'm i'm commenting um all the time on other people while other people have priority like oh yeah you should counter this oh don't i got this one don't don't worry about it um and uh and there are certain advantages and disadvantages to that um, and there are some some tricks about uh, playing priority very erratically that I, I won't reveal all my secrets on on the, the this, this episode, but um, there there are definitely some some tricks you can can play to make sure that uh, you bait out your opponent's interaction or whatnot based upon how you play priority, whether that's waiting until the end, waiting till it's your turn, or like trying to read someone and like. Yo, I don't think this spell loses us the game, and I think it hurts the other person to my left more, so I'm gonna pass priority on it. Um, just different things, different ways to use to use that game mechanic, even though it's not like a card you're playing. It's, it's something you should be aware of, and you should be trying to maximize your advantage on. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an outsider, who I don't, I don't think I know many of your your tricks. At least as an outsider, who I've things that I've picked up as you noticing is like if there's a game winning spell in the stack, like. No, non-ambiguous like this spell if it resolves will win the game it's it's consultation on thoracle you know um you are the first to talk you may not be in the first in priority you are the first to talk and at the very least be like do you have something i might be like you might be last in priority but you always ask priority one do you have something for this yeah and i think that's a, i think that's a really great tool just to like because 
what's the worst they're going to say? No, pass priority. And you're like, okay, great, we lose. Like, I don't yeah. have anything either. Um, but like best case scenario, they say, yeah, I have misstep for console. And you're like, okay, fantastic. Let's go ahead and cast that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's something that I never like fully grasped whenever I played Blue. Uh, I suppose there's so much pressure on me, and I'm so easy to work with that I just get just played for everybody's fool. <laughs> um i'm just like i get this out of my hands i i'm gonna throw more games and i'm gonna win with these spells yeah yeah it's it can be really challenging especially when like you said earlier like the people are the weakest part of any system like if you talk about social hacking um magic is all about social hacking at least very much cdh is um because doesn't matter what you say yes it's a card game yes you're playing the cards on the table but at the end of the day if you can play the people, you'll win just as many games as you'll lose. You'll have a 50-50 win rate, just the same as if you're playing perfectly every single game, you're going to have a 25% win rate. So, uh, I guess it'd be 25% either way. But, my point stands is that if yeah. you play the people perfectly or you play the cards perfectly, you're going to win statistically 25% of your games either way. And if you put them together, you're going to you're gonna increase that win rate even more. So, you'll be starting to win even more than 25% of your games. Um and so I think if you're trying to truly like improve and maximize your political power, um, that is the thing that you should be focusing on. It's not is is uh, game wins comes from not only tight technical play but also tight social play. No, hundred percent. You it, it go it, calling back to our Windows thing. Like that's that's the whole reason why we talked about Windows is because like if you can politically like maneuver yourself into these situations, your Windows going to show up. You're going to be able to make your own window. Uh, that's that's super duper huge um all right I'm, I'm kind of out of topics um what's give me like two two quick and easy things that we can take away with because i i got i got at least one and that's just be willing to talk and be willing to listen to other people like if you genuinely think that hey this demonic tutor should fetch toxic deluge don't immediately be like yeah you're correct without like a second passing be like okay why is this person suggesting this? How good is Toxic Deluge? What am I able to do post-Deluge, like, immediately? Am I just doing board wipe pass? Do I have something else to like, follow up? Like, what is the reason I'm being offered this suggestion? Um, yeah, definitely. Someone who is impressionable, just think it through before going through with it. Absolutely. Um, I had to pick something for a quick and easy takeaway, is that, um, though it is a card game, I think, Commander specifically is first and foremost. It is a social intrigue slash grand strategy game. Like you should, while you should be having a significant amount of attention on the cards and focus on playing the cards, playing people can be just as, if not more, effective. And then I guess you wanted two. Sure. The second one is probably going to be uh, that. Along those lines, stemming from that, um, you can practice political gameplay just like you can practice um, mechanical gameplay. So, the simplest form, you can just start with this one. If you're if you're you're hearing this episode and you're thinking, well, maybe there's something to this whole politics nonsense. Um, maybe I will start trying to implement it into my gameplay. Start with this. You can always ask your opponent to just not do what you don't want them to do. And like, 
I'd say 20% of the time, they'll be like, yeah, okay, and just not do it. Um, no questions asked. And then 80% of the time, you're gonna have to, you're gonna be faced with a direct, like, a direct, like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm casting the spell. And then you have to, you have to lay out why they shouldn't cast the spell. But they're like, just, just make the request. Just ask your opponents. Just because the worst thing they can, they can ever do to you is say no, right? So that's, yeah. that's the worst thing that can ever possibly happen. So just ask the question and that will at the very least start a conversation i think that's a that's a good one that i weirdly enough sales background just like oh just always ask them like do you want to like add do you want to like add fries to this you know <laughs> no you don't want fries cool we're already at this point anyway uh no that's that's a, that's a i think that's a really good clean one just be like can you please can, like even like joking like can you not cast the Draneth magistrate just ask like what'd you yeah. get with that what'd you get with that d tutor worst case they say haha he's a funny guy yeah Good joke and best case scenario they're like oh i got this oh shit i just told you what i got <laughs> i i have been playing my tutors so face up i I will demonic tutor and then be like, everyone be like, oh, what's he getting? I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna cast Dockside and then just like flip a Dockside for my deck. It throws so, everybody so off. They're like, ah. Uh. Sometimes <laughs> you, just like it doesn't this? matter if they know what you're tutoring for. Sometimes yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. Um, that's all I got. Yeah. I think we covered a lot today. I think we did. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to what I can only imagine is a hotly, hotly expected episode of Mana on the Rocks. Uh, it was a good one. I, I like, I've been liking politics more. It's been something I've been trying to implement more into my game and trying to level up my own gameplay as a player. I feel like that's the next logical step for me, um, apart from playing a better deck, but then that's never going to happen. <laughs> um, Atlas, I want to thank you immensely for dispensing your wisdom, uh, my political guru, as it were. I don't know if I'm a, a guru per se, but you're, you're welcome. And then, as always, I want to thank you, our listeners, for just vibing with us. Uh, I hope wherever you are in the world, you're doing all right. We'll catch you next time.